Hello and welcome to this edition of Finance and Technology Insights. I'm Brian Williams from Northshire Consulting. He's Eric Bjorndorf from Evernet. What's happening, Eric? Testing, testing, one, two, three. How do we how do you read? Yeah, right. Uh, pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. Yeah, we're a little choppy. My wife's home this week. I'm sure there's a lot of other kids that are home this week. So the internet will be stretched. Are your kids right. home this week or next week? Yeah, the kids are home this week. So um they're at uh, camps and various activities. So, but they are home. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I imagine, uh, home, home bandwidth will be stretched for families working from home. Yep. Yeah. A lot of, uh, a lot of Disney plus going on, a lot of Netflix, all that kind of stuff. Right. What's, What's new with you business wise? Uh, let's see, since we've last met, um, we're building out, uh, we're continuing the expansion of our sales and marketing and digital market, digital marketing and web team, basically. Uh, so we're bringing on a new web resource. Um, we're bringing on a new sales resource to um, to make new connections with prospective clients, which we're excited for. Um, so yeah, no, little uh, changes there. What about you? Yeah, I was going to say you've been able to find people. Okay, you've got a lot of applicants for your slots. Yeah, I mean, we use Indeed to to actually we use an HR platform called Bamboo, which I'm going to do a video on one of these days. And uh, I can't I can't say enough about uh, an HR platform. Um, one of the benefits of it is it allows you to kind of manage your your uh, job profile. So when you need a resource, you just basically flick a switch and it starts syndicating the post. And they, they syndicate to Indeed as one of the networks. And yeah, the applicants keep streaming in. Um, you know, digital marketing, web, you know, sales, that sort of thing. It, it lends itself pretty well to the work from home person. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we we can hire anywhere. It doesn't have to be regional. You know, resources have to be regional to us specifically. So, yeah, we're, we're you know, fortunate that we're having pretty good response there. Yeah. What about you? What's what's going on? Oh, uh, yeah. Same old stuff. Uh, a lot with the state mandated IRA program. Talking about that. Uh, a lot of quarter end stuff and, and tax time. So those first couple of weeks of April are always exciting. You've got people looking for some last minute tax documents, and then you've got your cycling through your reports for the end of first quarter. So a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but uh, yeah, pretty much business as usual. It will be an interesting rest of the week with, with my wife home. Cause it's hard not to want to at least, you know, have a little bit longer lunch or go for a walk yeah, or that sort of for stuff. Sure. But, uh, for sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll spread it out. We'll be all right. She's she's as busy as I am. So she's Did, downstairs recording, sucking up bandwidth, all that kind of stuff. Right. Since last time we met, I think, uh, did you close a new deal? Is that something that you'd like to share? Or? Yeah, we were talking about that. Um, this was an interesting, it was a referral to uh, from another advisor, which is, which is always nice. So this sort of exceeded his capabilities or, or specialties, which I think overall, and I know you've talked about this in your business too, is is a good thing as people realize, you know, what their niche is and what they're, what they're good at, because so many of these professions are so specialized and rules and regulations and technologies change so quickly. So, uh, so it was a referral from him. He had kind of tried to do it on his own. It didn't quite work out. Um, so that was good. Um, nice. but yeah, I mean, my client acquisition, I don't know. Do you, do you have goals for client acquisition or what are your, uh, at this point you mean yeah. just like new business goals yeah yeah uh yeah we want to take over the world i always laugh right. whenever whenever i meet a new uh, you know during the during the sales uh ex expansion process of our business you know I met, i've met with various resources and contractors and salespeople love saying what are your sales goals and i always yeah. laugh at that question because you know it's like all of it right you know, our goal is all of it we want all the business um but no, we we um, you can't really. What I'm coming to learn uh, as I learn about sales and marketing and and continue to, to to expert myself on on that realm, you really can't have meaningful sales goals unless you have a measurable sales function. Mm -hmm. You know, an actual sales function. In my experience, I mean, other people, you know, if you're if you're a retail store and you know, you're relying on drive-by traffic or walk-by right. traffic. I mean, you, you you basically, it's a known quantity, but, uh, you know, in the service industry, you know, we're a service provider, professional services provider. And, um, 
you know, it's a sales cycle can be long, complex, a lot of variables, that sort of thing. So, um, you know, over the years, I've been building a sales function in the business that can give me something that I can say, how much do we want to grow this year? Mm -hmm. And uh, go ahead. Yeah, I know. There's, I mean, there's definitely a certain rhythm to onboarding new clients and that kind of, I mean, if you're running a gas station or an ice cream shop, I mean, you're dealing with multiple customers a day and that sort of function. So, right. Well, you can't uh, force people to drive past your gas station more, right? You can't, right. you can't divert roads to, to funnel your, your, you know, um, fortunately the professional service in industry, like, um, would you consider yourself a professional service provider, yeah. so to speak? Sure. Yeah. So, you know, fortunately, you know, well, although you're regulate, you're regulated through, you have a geographic regulation or um, constraint, right? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Connecticut. And then you're allowed to have up to five clients outside the state. Right. Five so, clients I mean, even, in each state outside the state. Yeah. I mean, even Connecticut, there's, a, there's enough fruit on the tree for you. So um, it's nice that you're not, you know, in in essence not geographically constrained in that context so we, we're not either right so we you know um i hate using the expression what good came out of covid um but one of the good things that did come out of covid for us is we you know we signed clients all over the country mm -hmm. uh, because people were you know, we we decentralized the company geographically. We're headquartered in Hartford, but we we decentralized in 2017, meaning we're we've been a 100% work from home workforce um, since 2017. And so I tried to transition our sales model and our sales process to a work from home. You know, I wanted to take sales meetings with prospective clients telephonically and over Teams meetings and that sort of thing. Didn't work well until COVID. Right. You know, and then people were forced to conduct business telephonically. And fortunately, it seems to be hanging on. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you know, there's no reason why we I you know, when I when I sign up a software vendor or something, there's really no reason why I need to meet with that account manager in person, you know. And I know that you, you have a you probably well, I, my understanding is you probably feel a little more towards a traditional in in your in in what you're doing which you know i, I don't want to poo poo it i mean whatever works for everybody works for everybody um but um yeah it's it's anyways i'm 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 babbling about sales <laughs> no but i think yeah i mean for me if it, if it's local and it, and it makes sense at some point i would like to see them in person i don't know if that's you know old fashioned or not but i mean we could be 10 months or a year into the relationship and I haven't met them in person. That's, that's fine with me. But at some point it would be nice to, to be in the same room with, with a lot of these people, you know, you know the fact is I enjoy interfacing with my clients and prospects in the real. I do mm -hmm. enjoy that. Yeah. Um, the sad reality though, is it's really not scalable. There, mm -hmm. there is a point in which the solopreneur has way too many sales leads or sales pro uh, prospects or mm -hmm. too much service to, to provide or too much administration to administer where, you know, the hour in the car round trip or one way it's, it just, that time kind of stacks up. Mm -hmm. And so the only way to scale with that is either hiring more sales mm -hmm. and administrative resources or coming up with a process that's leaner. So, mm -hmm. you know, right. I'm kind of, I'm past, I mean, if, if we had a prospect that was large enough and wanted me to, you know, come on, fly on, you know, fly to them or, you know, drive to them or something, you know, we would do that. We would definitely do that because we're still a relationship based company for sure. I mean, that is what we continue to say is our differentiator. Um, but that doesn't mean like, you know, I'm an, I'm an efficiency psycho. So it's always, um, if I can build a, you know, you and I, for example, you know, we've essentially built our relationship telephonically or virtually, mm -hmm. you know, I think, you know, we, we had a beer once, um, but basically we've, we've been connected uh, virtually. So yeah, I think it's an effective way to build and manage robust relationships. So, um, rant over. <laughs> yeah, no. And I think, you know, future generations will obviously feel that way too. They're used to doing, I mean, they've, Spend so much time in virtual schools and all that kind of stuff that this will be second metaverse in three, two, one. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, we weren't going to go there today. Yeah, we're not going to go there we'll see, today. We'll see if we can get sucked into the metaverse or uh, autonomous vehicles. But um, yeah, 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 yeah.
So that's cool. What about um, what about uh, any new content going out? Uh, yeah, we did a nice interview last week with a woman from the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. She's the vice president of retirement policy there. So, uh, you know, we've spoken on and off over the last few years. Um, she's she's super interested and she's super interesting because she brings a, um, you know, she's an attorney. She has that litigation background. And now they're actually doing something where they're starting to push back against a lot of these excessive fee lawsuits. They started in a wave of about three or four years ago where um, class action lawsuits against these big companies and they saying saying your 401k is too expensive. And early on, a lot of these cases had some more legitimacy to them. But now it's just they're just chasing every big company looking to get them to settle. And, you know, the attorneys make out with a decent paycheck and the plan participants, the employees get, you know, a check for 27 cents or something, you know, so. So the chamber's trying to push back on that. Well, at the same time saying, well, there is an issue here. There are plans that are too expensive and don't have the oversight. But at the same time, these are getting a little bit out of hand. So that was an interesting interview. Nice. Yeah, it was it was uh, it was a good video. I did watch it. I started watching it live and then had interruption, but I had to come back to it. But that's good. Are you getting any um, good views on it or traction on it or response? Yeah, I mean, there's. There's certain views, you know, as, as you start starting certain content, as you start doing yours that you that are out there just to kind of have it and say that you have it versus right. ones that are actually going to drive traffic or some, right. you know, this is not going to get, you know, 2 million views. It's not uh, the Uber driver driving across my lawn or something <laughs> like that. It's, it's not that kind of content. It's uh, I forgot about that. Can you yeah. believe that? Do you want to tell yeah. you want to tell the audience what you're talking no, about? No, you can tell it. It's your story. <laughs> your clip. Okay, so um, what what Brian's talking about is a tick. My first TikTok video um, has gone viral. I posted it last week, and um, you know I was really like pushing off TikTok. My wife and my daughters have been uh, my my wife and my older daughter specifically have been kind of watching TikTok and getting into into TikTok and um you know they'll pull it up on the Amazon Fire Stick on on the TV and we'll watch you know it's basically America's funniest videos on steroids i mean right. it, it it's really it's really very funny and uh and then you know my older daughter she, you know she wants to make TikToks and stuff with her friends and that's that's all good we're closely monitoring it uh making sure there's actually like a family fe feature of TikTok which is kind of mm. nice um but my daughters and my and my wife are like, you should post something. You should post something because I can kind of be a ham in front of the in front of the camera uh, from time to time. And I'm you know, I, I post I, I'm, I'm an over sharer for sure. And I kind of push it off, push it off. And then um, and then and then this crazy thing happened <laughs> it, last week. We, we ordered Uber Eats and. Um, you know, the whole experience we, we do, we order, we order out or take out often, right. Through Uber Eats mm -hmm. and, and those services. And it's pretty, it's a pretty routine experience most of the time, but this routine, this experience started off kind of odd. The food was just, just late and it surprisingly, the food's rarely late or feeling like it's late, but anyways, if food shows up, car pulls up in the driveway now we have cameras all over the house and on the driveways and, and, and the doorbell and all that stuff so we we know what's going on uh right away and so this car pulls in and he's sitting there for minutes finally comes uh to the door I, now i'm running around the house doing laundry and um are you gonna pull it up should we yeah are you pulling it up um so i'm i'm doing laundry and i'm coming down the stairs with a laundry basket in my hand and i see him standing at the door and i open the door and he's like hey here's your food and i was like oh great thanks you know that's that's wonderful and he's like oh yeah sorry i was late or whatever it's my first day and i was like no problem thank thank you and and good luck on your first day right so I take the food in, put it in the kitchen, uh, you know, set the laundry. Now we're sitting down and eating and um, I can see on the camera that he's still there. So now it's like awkward and this guy sits in our driveway for, I think I have, I have the long version, which I think is somewhere around 11 minutes 
maybe maybe longer, 12, 15 minutes, something like that. He's sitting in the driveway. Now it's becoming uncomfortable. Good luck on his first day. My first day on the jump today. So, oh, yeah? yeah? Hey, how's it going so yeah. far? Yeah, so let me just lay down a little more background. Yeah, okay. So, so anyways, we're, we, he's parked in our parking uh, driveway throughout the whole meal and then after the meal, and it was very uncomfortable. <laughs> and then as we're as I'm walking camera after kind of as we're finishing up dinner because I kind of had it aside, um, you know, he starts up his car. I was like, okay, he's he's shoving off. Oh, I think my wife texts him. Hey, is everything okay or something? And I don't know if he replied to her that he was. Um, calling support or uber support he's looking for his next uh pickup or something okay fine it all seemed seemed normal okay fine fine so then he starts his car and he starts moving and he makes for what looks like he's going to do a k-turn in the driveway and the driveway is wide enough that that's possible um but and the road is not it's a busy road but it's not busy enough that you can't back out of it i mean you know, an adult can really manage and navigate our, our driveway and backing out. No problem. So anyways, he starts for a K turn and then just doesn't do the K turn in the driveway, but he just drives over the lawn. <laughs> and at first it was like, what? So my, just the background before that, two hours before my father had just finished helping me and the, tr the the trolls on TikTok are like, uh, I posted a subsequent video, follow-up video to answer. My, the yard looks like crap because me and my dad and mostly my father spent the, la the last two days sand leveling the lawn. And if anybody knows what sand leveling is, it's just a way of getting all the dimps and uh, dimples and bumps out of your yard. And sand is a nice medium to to do that with and it's what golf courses do and so, that sort of thing so we just and we hadn't done it before we'd done leveling but using like topsoil and things but we just uh, we wanted to do a little more kind of an extreme leveling or whatever so the yard looks like crap but it was just because two hours before we put the rakes away we had just finished so there was a little at first like what <laughs> what are you i cannot believe like this guy's driving over the lawn and um you know it just uh, was very frustrating. So the girls, I don't know. I just, I just thought it was going to be funny. So I just took the ring camera footage and I, and I was kind of being cheeky about it at first. And I was like, and then I was putting the, the guy in Uber Eats on blast. I tweeted uh, Uber Eats. And I was like, this is not acceptable. You know, was, and this was all within the first, like, you know, 20 minutes of watching this guy drive on my lawn. Um, and, uh, and then all of a sudden, I don't know, I, I have the notifications turned off on on uh, on TikTok. And then I wake up the next day or something and it was like 200,000 views. And, uh, you know, the whole house went crazy. And then we just for the rest of the week, watched this TikTok video just climb in this rankings. So without further ado, I don't know, you want to you want to play it? And, and yeah, we'll I don't, I don't know if the sound will come through. So you might have to provide a, a quick play by play, but we'll see. Good. Thank you for your help. Yeah, you're good. Right, Thank you good. Thanks, man. Good luck. All right, man. Good luck, I say. I'm hearing it on my end. I don't know. The door slam. So there he goes. Now, this is after he was sitting for through our whole meal. Okay, turn, start, and bam. Now oh, it's a three times speed up. <laughs> he just drove over the lawn. That's crazy. I know. It just it's just crazy antisocial behavior. But I don't know what did you how many views are on it now? I haven't uh, I think it said days. 2.1 2 or something like that. 2.2.3, yeah. 2.3 million is, is views yeah. on it. And yeah, I don't even know how to I'm not going to sign it up. But um yeah. So that was that was our excitement personally last week is it my first TikTok went viral. And uh, my daughter is just my older daughter was just just squealing with delight. It was so funny. <laughs> and now you do you let them record videos or just watch videos? Uh, she, my youngest, doesn't really participate. She's just you know five years old. She just she you know she knows her sister's playing you know playing on TikTok or something. So she she'll come in and jump around in the background or something. But um, no, it's mostly my nine year old and. She does, you know, she watches and I think I think the um, terms of service require you to be 13. I think all the social networks are 13, but 
you know, in practical sense, if they're closely monitored and stuff. I, I'm not a big fan of it, but we, you know, it's I lost I lost that war, I think. So um, you know, so I do just watch it closely and and uh you know it's nice because you know my my children are becoming technology natives you know so um you know there's a benefit to that yeah they're gonna have to record video and do all sorts of different content for probably whatever career they're in so not such a bad thing yeah in fact camilla um was is it starting to ask me if she can do TikToks for my company and videos mm-hmm. for my company? So maybe maybe there's my built-in social media manager in the future. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> you could play into that. You know, so easy that a kid could do it, or you know, have them do your demos and stuff. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But yeah, that was pretty funny. So um, so after this afternoon, uh, my latest content. I I didn't post anything last week because I was really kind of busy with um some some internal administration like i said we're, we're building out the sales team building out the marketing team and that was kind of distracting unfortunately so i didn't get to post anything last week for business but i am going live at two o'clock this afternoon to do a rant on cybersecurity training i think i ranted about that before here um but just just to reiterate like it's i'm kind of kind of really like pushing it hard i'm i'm going all in on recurring cybersecurity training platforms for uh, businesses, you know, individuals even, and small businesses with just a, an employee or two um, up to, you know, thousand employee companies. Um, I'm viewing cybersecurity training, recurring cybersecurity training, measurable recurring cybersecurity training as important as antivirus on, your, on a computer. Um, because, you know, there's there's only so much we can do with the software to kind of act as the shield against um, virus activity, malware, that sort of thing. But if a user keeps clicking, accept, allow, install, it's just, it's just a matter of time. It, it's very, our, the antivirus software that we um, deploy now is actually um, a technological upgrade from uh, the antivirus of the past and, and present still it's being sold, um, where the antivirus had to know of a virus and then train its antivirus with what's called a virus definition file that would tell the antivirus, if you see this block it, the problem with that is it's that model always makes for a cat and mouse situation. Mm -hmm. The virus has to be engineered then um, inf- uh, actively infected and captured and then trained to the antivirus. It's just not a good model, you know? Um, so now the there's products out there that are behavioral analysis software. So the, an- the antivirus that we sell and recommend to our clients um, does actual behavioral analysis, which is, is better in both terms because, um, you know, for years, we've had to kind of like whitelist or allow list or uh, allow filter our database softwares and our known good softwares in the antivirus. So the antivirus wouldn't scan the transactions. I don't know if you've ever installed antivirus on a computer and your computer just just grinded to a halt, especially mm-hmm. if you open a database program or something. Um, the behavioral analysis type antivirus doesn't scan what it doesn't need. It can identify, you know, and measure uh, through uh, artificial intelligence what you're what you're doing on the computer and if it's, uh, you know, okay or not. Um, so, anyways, long story short, yeah, my video is coming up. It's just a, it's just a, I think a six or twelve minute session I'm going to do on um, cybersecurity training platforms and how I view them as important as antivirus. Okay. Are you, do you have a a guest for that, or you're just walking through it yourself? No, it's just me. I'm. Okay. I think. I think when I'm. Uh, so the the um, Evernet reviews channels going well. Mm-hmm. We're recording um, product service demonstrations with vendors and service providers, and that's going really well. I'm really excited about that. Um, but I'm just filling in. You know, I'm trying to come to the content creation with like bringing value. You know, like mm-hmm. what you know. Every time I hit the record button, I just the first thing I ask myself is what value am I bringing right now? And so that's what I'm, I'm trying to, I'm playing around basically seeing if um, shorts are going to be, um, you know, useful for the, for an audience out there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
just kind of seeing what takes shape, but just trying to get in front of the camera and try to produce value of some sort on some frequency. Yeah. And are you going live to, to what platforms do you go live to? So we are using StreamYard is our recording software, which, um, you know, there's a couple of missing features in it, but it is pretty good. It's nice because it's a web-based platform that allows me and my production team to work together in the platform. So you don't have this like record experience locally. And then it's kind of like uploading videos. So we, I think, um, I think what we're doing now is we, at first we were streaming just to YouTube and then we were syndicating or sharing the video through social posts to the, to the various social platforms. Mm -hmm. But we, I just met with my team uh, yesterday and I think what we're going to try to do now is I think we're going to record to LinkedIn, Twitter, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram. What am I missing? All the big ones. I don't know. Yeah. I think you hit them all there. Facebook yeah. and LinkedIn. TikTok. We're and, and soon to be TikTok. So yeah, yeah you, you got to be where the people are. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. Yeah. I got. I just got some alert that you're going live somewhere else. So I think you've cloned yourself or something. It's it's, it's not a. Um, I'll, I'll 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 let everybody know that one of the cool things with uh, Streamyard is you can actually pre-record and then schedule the the recording to to stream as a live recording so it presents as i don't know if anybody's supposed to say this or not but who cares right it's um it's not a big deal but yeah it's pre-recorded but we're scheduled to stream it live at, at two o'clock yeah. so you'll notice the nice yellow shirt will go away in two hours it's not me changing <laughs> <laughs> right um yeah i was watching a some social media expert yesterday and they were raving about linkedin live and how linkedin is gonna is going to really push push those and promote those to the top of people's feeds. So so we'll see. I don't see a lot of people going LinkedIn live yet. You see, a couple you know, two but to not, five minute videos here and there. Yeah, yeah. But I think you're right. That's what I've read too. Is that the the social medias are valuing the live recordings mm -hmm. heavier um, than a no recordings and uh, b pre recordings or or kind of posted videos or whatever. Right, um, right. So I'm ho I'm hoping the Streamyard kind of scheduled record scheduled live recording feature will kind of let us do both, right? Let us, mm -hmm. uh, you know, do the pre-recording so we can pull the ripcord if something goes wrong or and <laughs> or have technical difficulties and need to re-record. Um, but uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. Um, it's a pretty cool feature. Yeah, there's something to the live videos that. Uh... Just seem to work a little bit better. I think I said before when I'm talking with uh, investment folks, sometimes they prefer the live from a compliance standpoint because they say it's a lot easier. We don't have to have it supervised, and then other ones prefer the recorded one because they their compliance team feels like they need to watch it and edit it and whatever. So yeah, it's interesting. Yep. Yeah, for for the Evernet reviews that we're doing with with vendors and products and service providers, we're we're giving them the option. So we're recording live unscripted. And then the other benefit is we, we can kind of let them have a final uh, kind of final say whether they like the video and they're okay with publishing or not. Yeah. Um, the other thing too is I don't ever want to do scripted content. I know you've done some scripted content and obviously that, and we've talked about this before, but the high, the high quality content out there is scripted. Uh, the high quality informational content um, I just don't have the bandwidth to do that. I don't have the, per the the time or the ambition to to do a highly produced uh, video. But I do value all of the ones that I consume personally, and I give credit to where credits do. So it's just not yeah. it's just not the format that I, I'm going to. It's just not what I'm going to do. And I know that if I'm not going to do it, then I'm not going to do it. You know. Right. Yeah. Even the, even the interviews that I do, I'll have, I'll have an outline of things that I want to cover and I'll kind of check them as I go along, go along. But a lot of times you, you obviously get off that. You want to do follow-up questions because if you write out the questions, then you're going to end up totally switching gears and bouncing right. around and missing the opportunity for follow-up questions and, and all that. So, right. So you want to talk about the news? Talk about, the yeah, page? we can talk about that. Yep. So um, if you haven't already liked and subscribed, go ahead and do that now. 
Mm-hmm. Um, in the last week, Megan on our team has, um, so uh, apparently, you know, we're, we're backing our way into building this as a brand and a business. Um, I know, I know week 10 was a big cutoff, uh, or episode 10 was a big milestone for us where we said we do a website and that's forthcoming, but we did have a Facebook group that we started finance and technology insights. And then Megan on our marketing, uh, team has started booting up our social pages for finance and technology insights. So we, what Brian has on screen now is our Facebook page, not to be confused with our Facebook group, which I think is, is the group subordinate to the page. If you click the groups tab. Yes. So when you click group, you can go to go when you click groups on the page you can go to the group here so the group's designed to be more interactive as we get this built out a little bit we'll have you know let the listeners and watchers choose which topics we cover maybe and and do some fun sort of maybe some shorts during the week and things like that whereas the page is more for you know updates about the show itself and and that kind of stuff the the page right now is important because that's where we can put the podcast on uh, right. it's just another outlet for that for whatever reason they won't let that go directly to the group so with the pages for the to nerd out a little bit they let you put the rss feed in there and attach mm-hmm. it to a page which is nice so <clears throat> as soon as we upload the audio and it goes out on all the podcast platforms it also goes out on facebook as well right so uh the other thing we were using was flipboard uh, to curate our news articles that we would talk about throughout the show. Uh, I am, you know, I'm all about vendor consolidation. It's one of the things I like to do for my own company. I don't, you know, you know, sometimes it can be kind of crazy when you're just kind of sprawled all over the internet on the tools that you use. I've been using Flipboard personally for a lot of years and just, you know, using it muscle memory. But I did find that Facebook is is starting to has a pretty kind of feature rich news aggregator. So when I open my uh, when I want to read the news, now I can open Facebook and um, on my bottom button on my phone on the app, there's a news thing and I just read. And it seems like in most cases, the the news publications and articles are pretty much on parity with Flipboard. So Mm. uh, what I've been doing was I've been publishing or pinning articles to our Facebook page. And it just seems to make sense because if our community is going to focus around the social networks, I don't think Flipboard, you know, Flipboard does have, I, I do see people like and, and you know, comment on some news articles and things on Flipboard. So I don't want to, I don't want to take that away from Flipboard, but, you know, you got to go where the people are. And I think, I think it's obvious that, that um, Facebook is a, is a dominant social network. So right. I'm going to start leaning on pinning articles there a little bit more. Um, and maybe we'll see, we'll let, we'll let Flipboard go into the night. Yeah. Yeah. I like Flipboard. They don't make it easy to share things from the outside from what I've noticed. It's almost like you have to go there and I'm not as proficient at it as you are, but you almost have to make it a point to go there. Was there, whereas if you're on Facebook, you can see something and share it and kind of send right. it around. While you're right. there, you know. Yeah. So what uh, what's new in news that you want to talk about? Any of the articles that you pinned or I pinned that? Um, Let's see here. Would you speak? Have you been pinning them more to the group or the page this week? Uh, I think I was transitioning and I was confused as I saw the page come online. I was like, oh, maybe I'll pin to the page. So mm-hmm. um, I do have. Uh, um, well, I'll do I'll do a I'll do a quick one that I just kind of threw in there for fun. We we always joke about the uh, incidents of having uh, technology that's that's able to do something, but it's not being utilized. So it seems like every Sunday I'm always poking fun at um, the NFL because the two guys come out with the with the sticks and they're measuring how far. I think the same thing. It's like, I'm, oh I'm so God. glad I'm not alone in that. No, but I mean they've got the. You know they've obviously got the technology to do that and that the other one that bugs me too is like whether the ball crossed the crossed the end zone or whatever um crosses the end line to make it a right. touchdown it's like just just put a couple of sensors in the tip tip of the ball and run a lazy like you'll be able to tell at least that part i mean you can't maybe you can't tell if their knee was down or whatever but um 
there's certainly far more things that I think all sports can do. I think they, it's interesting. Sometimes they're, they're way out in front on a lot of things, but uh, sometimes the traditionalists hold things back, but, uh, but For this sure. is the USFL talking about their newer, uh, newer league. And one of their things that they're doing is they're going to introduce technology to help automate the first down decisions, which will be welcome. Um, and usually that's, that's where a lot of these ideas come from. It's from the upstart leagues and the challengers. So right. where it might not be the, the league may not survive a lot of their ideas do. Um, so, you know, you so think of the ABA going to the NBA. I mean, it was the ABA that came up with the three point line, the slam dunk contest and all that. And that eventually moved to the NBA as the ABA folded and, um, you know, the other football leagues and all that kind of stuff. So, um, so it's good that we'll have finally have some new technology on the football front, although it hasn't filtered through to the NFL yet. So specifically, just for the for the listeners of the podcast, the article is uh, it says it is I don't know who is that from the San Francisco Times or I don't know. Yeah, Sports Illustrated. Sports yeah. Illustrated. So the the title of the, the article: USFL introduces technology to automate first down decisions. And so the, that is in the context of how laughably inaccurate the chains are in the NFL, right? I'm, yeah, I'm, I remember. I'm mansplaining. I'm sorry. I just um, wanted to give context. No, no, that, that's really good. And I think of, uh, I don't know what year it was, if the Madden first rolled out the, the video game when they rolled out, the guys would walk across the screen with the, with the chains and measure that. Like the first two or three times, you're like, wow, this is the coolest thing ever. And then eventually right. you're like, Oh my God, this is like, it's exhausting as it is in real life. So um, funny. So funny. Yeah. I always went, I always laugh because I mean the yard measure, the measurement of a yard in and of itself is, is so imprecise, right? I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's, um, surgery with a, with a machete instead of a scalpel. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, the traditionalists for sure are going to push back on that. I mean, how much do you let the refs, um, kind of manage the game with you know he you know humans uh, and you know human to human or do you you know how much data do you and systems do you do you build into into the game and that that's i think you're 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 uh, a viewer of sports i think much more you're a big baseball guy right like i don't watch yeah baseball. right um, and i don't watch basketball and the uh the minor leagues they're they're testing at some different levels the the uh computer operated strike zone you know so the umpire is no longer calling balls and strikes it's sent from a laser beam in center field that outlines the strike zone and uh whether the ball i mean you, you have that you have similar technology at home the problem is what most people don't understand is that the strike zones actually it's three-dimensional it's not it's not square like it like you would see on the tv screen so it may mm -hmm. not the pitch may not cross that box in the front of the plate, but it's crossing it at the back. So, so That's watching it on television is an imperfect because you're like, well, it, did, it was outside the box. Well, yeah, maybe in that one dimension, but it could have come back in on the backdoor slider, as they call it, something like that. So, yeah, yeah. Um, That's so we'll see if that makes its way up to the major leagues. I mean, you know, we talk about this. We said it last week. You know, everybody's like, "I'll never do this" or "I'll never do that." But the same things happen in sports. You know, like right. instant replay will never catch on. People won't tolerate that. Baseball will never have instant replay. They'll never have interleague play. All that stuff. But they eventually they bring it online. So, so true. So I posted. You know, two of the two of the articles I posted to the Facebook page. I want to talk about. Um, I don't know which one to start first, but you know, we always rant and talk, and talk about, uh, autonomy. And did you see this headline about the cruise, uh, autonomous taxi getting pulled over in San Francisco by the cops? Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty funny. So this, everybody picked it up, but th this is an article pinned to our Facebook page from the verge. Uh, headline says, here's what happens when cops pull over a driverless cruise vehicle, <laughs> And uh, the video is pretty funny, uh, but basically a cop pulled over, I think pulled over a cruise autonomous taxi because it didn't have lights on. And as the cop approached or was, had, was leaving the uh, driver's side vehicle, a driver's side door of the vehicle, <laughs> the car 
car pulls away, pulls away. Can I can I show this video? I think it's somebody yeah. Yeah. Seth Weintraub on Twitter's video. Here we go. Hopefully it's safe for work here. It's three minutes long. I don't know if that's if that's uh so here's the cop getting out of this cruiser approaching the car door sees Is that he... nobody's in the car <laughs> tests the door handle it's locked walks away from the car back to his cruiser and the, and the taxi <laughs> drives away which is funny, but the the company and then it pulls over, puts its hazard lights on, and uh, the the and then the cop then reapproaches the cruise uh, cruise vehicle, hmm. and it just I'm going to stop there. So the, the the company, let's see, a cruise spokesperson explained. The, the autonomous vehicle didn't drive away to escape from the police. It was trying to find a safer location to pull over in a move that most human drivers can't get away with so easily. I guess that's commentary from The Verge. But So what do you think of that? Now that that's interesting. Did the cop know that it was that there was, it was driverless when he got out of the car? Um, According to this, uh, after stopping the Chevy Bolt cruise vehicle, a police officer goes up to the window, tries to unsuccessfully open the door. The autonomous vehicle drives away. Not sure if we get a, let's see, the vehicle, quote, the vehicle yielded to the police car, then pulled over to the nearest safest location. An officer contacted cruise. An officer contacted cruise personnel and no citation was issued. <laughs> we we were, work closely with the SFPD on how to interact with their vehicles. Now, let me just first by saying, I think that everything that has, I don't think this is a transaction gone wrong. I just think that the this is one of those experiences where imagery can be manipulated by the media and naysayers and anybody for that matter. It's funny to watch, right? Mm -hmm. um, but in the context of the vehicle actually leaving an engagement with a cop to pull over to a safer location. That's kind of, that's an odd, I mean, humans can't do that. I mean, um, no. I think, I think even when I was a, a teenager, I think I may have rolled through a stop sign when I was a teenager and completed my, no, no, I was on the, I was on the Berlin turnpike and the left turn lane and the cop turned on his lights and I finished my U-turn on the Berlin Turnpike and then turned right into a gas station uh, after I completed the U-turn. Mm -hmm. And he cited me for that. Oh. He cited me for failure to yield to, uh, failure to, to stop or something. And wow. I clearly said, I was like, I was, I was trying to get us out of an unsafe condition mm -hmm. and I was cited for it. So I have personal experience with that. Um, what do you think? No, there's a lot to unpack there. I mean, the the first thing is it's it's great that the car even knew to pull over, right? I mean, that's that's a plus. The fact that it didn't have its lights on that could be and that seems like of all the auto autonomous features that would be um, one of the easiest to know whether it's whether it needs to have his lights on or not. So that part I, is a little bit scary, I guess. I thought the same thing for sure. And interaction from the article, interaction between San Francisco police department and the autonomous vehicle after it's pulled over for not having its light on. That's from the, from, from the verge, whether that's an yeah. official report or not. I mean, the, they weren't cited. Mm -hmm. So if they weren't cited, I mean, I know that there's a lot of discretion from a police officer. Was that the actual case or not? I mean, or, you know how reports can get it wrong. Yeah. And I don't know, I don't know if the, the legal system and, and police forces have, I mean, can you, you can't, if there's no individual, can you cite a company? You know, if I get pulled over and I say, I, I tried turning my lights on, but, but it, but they didn't work they're, you know, they're not going to say, okay, we understand. We're going to send a ticket to Subaru. Like that's not an acceptable. I'm sure I have to believe that under this technology emerging technology, that has been thought of in the context of, you know, like there early days when this stuff was was being discussed and contemplated, you know, they were thinking, well, the car is going to have to pass a driver's test, just like mm -hmm. a 16 year old uh, has to drive a passenger, um, you know, 
then there's the conversation of liability. If if the car crashes, who's liable? Is it is it well? Certainly, if you have a cell, if you have an owned car that you're running some autonomy, you know what I mean. Then the 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 liability is on you. There's this sure. debate that goes on. Well, in these robo taxis, who's liable? Well, it's obvious mm-hmm. who's liable. It's the it's the OEM, right? It's the operator. Um, right. As far as citing, I mean, in, the, in this context, if there was a citation to be issued, yeah, it would be the operator, right? I mean, I'm sure they they. They must have some some mechanism for it. I'm just, I mean, I'm making a huge assumption, right? But yeah, I, I don't know either. And then the other thing I thought of is there is there going to eventually be, if not already, some sort of linking system between law enforcement so that when it's sort of um, I'm trying to think of of an analogy, but like when it's when it's being pulled over, that it's like that it, the car's locked down, you know, so it can't like the the cop would decide when the interaction is over and the car can proceed or when it's in sort of it's it's web so to speak and it's pulled over and you know is is there going to be a way for law enforcement to talk to these vehicles cruise does have a youtube channel and they they've they have quite a few videos out there they and they spoke about that Mm -hmm. they did speak about the protocol that had to be developed um, and implemented for interaction with safety workers um, for for sure, and part of their 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 service, it, their fleet operator. So there is a close connection, if not real time connection, to their call center or their control and command center with every car in out there. So um, you know the system can be shut down remotely, and um, I think even the police officer can interact with a car operator. Um, and I think that might have happened in this context. Okay. It's fun, fun new, fun new world. I don't want to linger on it too long because we're not the autonomy vehicle technology <laughs> show, but it is one of the things that I am fascinating with, and I just thought that that was the video was 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 very funny. Um, yeah, that is neat. I mean, it's it's something that we're going to have to deal with, and it's it's good that every everybody made out okay here, and it wasn't safe, and you know, it didn't pull away while somebody was in front of it, or while the cop you know had his hand in the window or something like that. So. Right. Right, for sure. Yeah. Do you want to leapfrog uh, articles? Did you? Do you have another one? Well, let's see. Well, metaverse. Are we on a? Uh, are we on a metaverse? Uh, are you going to go there? Hiatus or no? I was just just scrolling through our our stories. We could touch on on Kmart, but that's not very exciting. I don't think. I just thought it. You know, business, right? So we are finance yeah. and technology, and hey, let me just add us add that to the stream because I have that up here. I pinned I pinned this. I think last night. Um, I just, I can't, I can't help but get the feels, you know, when, with this article, I mean, I don't know, did that, did, did, did that prompt any emotion or nostalgia in you just to read this article? Kmart set to close another location, leaving just three stores in the entire U.S. I know it it is kind of sad that you don't have, you don't have much selection. I mean, you're pretty much down to, to Walmart and Target and even their markets are a little bit different. So you do sort of miss that it's just we've been through this so many times here i mean we could all run down the list of of retail big box retail that's kind of come and go i mean just right. you know in the state or nationally or, or you know even the the discount the five and dimes and that sort of stuff and you contrast that with something like you know a dollar general or whatever it's like there's one of those popping up like every couple miles and they're all exactly the same and, right you know not that kmart's had a ton of personality or whatever but it's um, yeah, you're right. Any, any of these stores that you go through as a, as a kid or, uh, you know, it makes you feel old too. When you remember Christine Aguilera was doing Kmart commercials right? and the, and the company's not even around anymore. So I wonder how that makes her feel. So, right. I can, you oh. know, you're, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I mean, we can pour one out for Ames, Caldor. I don't know. Did, mm-hmm. did you remember Caldor? Yeah. Sure. And I don't even know, was that a national brand or not? But yeah. Um, yeah. the, you know, these, the, maybe someday they'll call it you're going to go the way of the box store you know mm-hmm. the big rise to fame and 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 uh plunder and then and then uh you know a sad decline sad and see you know this seemingly avoidable decline you know this article from cbs news which i think this is who this is cbs news um you know they they say that this the failure of kmart is is you know attributable to incompetence and um you know, oh, just poor yeah. man, poor management. I mean, yeah, 
Um, because let's face it, what's the difference between Caldor, Ames, Walmart, and Target? It's, I mean, it's nothing but just, you know, cleaner floors and, uh, you know, appealable logo and, you know, background music in, or in, in, while you're shopping, right? I mean, otherwise, sure. they're, all, they're all the same. I mean, what's the identity otherwise, you know? No, I mean, you're, you're dealing in, in high volume, low, low margin businesses. So that, that slight tweak here or there in processes or, you know, making the wrong bet for the holidays. I mean, that could be a big deal under ordering, over ordering where somebody didn't, you know, that's all. uh, Yeah. I mean, we're just, in fact, you know where the term black Friday comes from, right? Yeah. Cause it's the day the organizations go in the black. They finally start to make money for the year. Right. And what day does black Friday fall on? Yeah. Day after Thanksgiving. Day after Thanksgiving. So imagine you run a business that you're not profitable until the last, what, 45 days of the year. Yeah. That's, that's wild. I mean, obviously, you know, they, the, they missed the whole e-commerce thing and you know, mm-hmm. Amazon's eating their lunch. And I've been watching Best Buy, for example, over the years to see how they're navigating, uh, e-commerce and things and they're they're trying to hang in there too and i feel like we're going to see them next you know because although they they did ramp up their e-commerce a a bit so their website and online shopping experience is somewhat usable but anyways i just i caught the feels i guess when yeah when i saw three kmart stores remaining in the u.s it's just i'm surprised uh, i would have i would have guessed more than that but I, i don't know where there there is one there was that one in uh it was Southbury that was hanging on for a little bit. Uh, but, uh, oh, well, another one bites the dust, I guess. Right. Yeah. We have time for one more or. Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah. Let's see what we got. So I, ha- I have the one more, but I don't want to, I don't want to hijack them. Do, do you have any? No, you could take it. Yeah. So, um, a little background. My wife is an attorney for Lego. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm a lifelong, uh, Lego fan and, and consumer long before I, I, I met my wife. And then it's just, you know, irony at its peak, I guess that my wife works for Lego and we just love the company so much and we love the brand so much. And, um, you know, Lego, Lego was, I guess, and I and I don't know this officially, but I guess Lego up to somewhere around 2000 was struggling. And I think that as history goes, they brought in a new CEO that led them towards all of the licensing of um, external IPs like the Marvel, um, Star Wars, uh, Indiana Jones, Harry Potter. You know, so that's just been a huge um, renaissance for them and just a huge, huge um, opening. But for the past, I don't know, five to 10 years, maybe five years, I don't want I don't want to say I had that much foresight. But for the last five years, at least when I saw Microsoft buy Minecraft, you know, Minecraft was a, a small startup that that just booted that up. And then my and then uh, Microsoft bought Minecraft and now um now continues to sell and promote that you know that was like a real eye opening eye opener for me i mean i was you know that was when i saw that i was like man lego should have made that acquisition you know lego or or flat out copied it like just literally flat out copied it Mm -hmm. and um i don't my wife does well to to keep me isolated from any um anything that might be coming on the horizon from Lego and think that sort of thing. So she has to, she has to keep, keep things. Um, she has to keep things from me basically. <laughs> um, yeah. but no, that's for the, that's for the good of Lego. But, um, so anyways, when I saw this, like I, I, I fell out of my chair, the, um, the news article from CNBC, Sony and Lego family bet big on quote, the metaverse with $2 billion investment in Epic games. And, um, you know, I think that for me, the, the headline speaks for itself. Um, it, you know, this, the second miss that I think Lego had was not buying or flat out copying Roblox. Do you, are you guys in onto Roblox yet in your house? I know you're no, not yet. So it was Minecraft with my son. My son's 13. Yeah. Uh, that was my nephew. Yeah. He's 13 also. 
Yeah, it was Minecraft, and mm-hmm. then it was Fortnite, and then um, the girls, my nine-year-old is all on Roblox, which is awesome because it's kid-friendly um, and social. All of their friends, they connect on each uh, on there with each other, and they're and they're on uh, iPads and you know building things and and just having having that experience. And I'm just like, I'm sitting there like upon my poor wife, the things that she has to, she has to listen to me chirp about electric vehicles, autonomous vehicles, and things that I think Lego should do. <laughs> and right. one of the things that I've been, I'm like, why are you guys not building a digital platform mm-hmm. um, with the, the Lego brand? And, um, you know, the poor, poor, poor lady just, um, you know, has to endure that from me, had to endure that for me for a lot, for a lot of years. And, you know, I get it. Like the Lego brand is a kid brand. And, you know, there's maybe a concern of, you know, all of the harms that could happen with digital ecosystems and, and, um, digital environments and that sort of thing. But, you know, that kids can choke on Lego bricks too. You know what I mean? So I mean, there's there's risk, you know, and 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 you brought up an interesting age there it's that would be the age where they would sort of transition away from legos anyway you know i would think you know 12 13 you know maybe they're doing the big star wars the right. millennium falcon and that kind of stuff but here here's what i would say like um, oh man i went on this rant with again <laughs> imagine if you could you're in you're in the digital environment and you you build a structure or you build something using um, scale accurate Lego the Lego system, sure. and imagine this: you can a buy th- that digitally. So I mean, let's face it: this is it's all about money, right? So mm-hmm. digital digital economies are huge in these Fortnites and and uh, Minecraft. It's all about buying skins and buildings and all sure. of this stuff, right? So you've got the revenue model. F- from Le- for Lego, where they can sell you the digital um, versions of the r- the real products. How about the inverse, though? Imagine if a kid can build a structure or build something in your Lego uh, multiverse or what do they call metaverse, mm-hmm. and now you just like on a menu, you just click send to Lego and buy. You know, so right. now for sixty nine ninety nine, the kid can build something and then have it shipped to him and then mm-hmm. reconstruct it. And I mean, imagine this. I was a big train nerd when I was a kid. Imagine if you could build your your uh, train landscape in the in the virtual and then just right. buy it all, have it arrive. And then now you're assembling it in front of you. I mean, like so the, yeah. the money kind of flows both ways. You can still there's still plenty of legs left on the on the blocks in that context. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Right. And it's and it's a sort of a package purchase. So you're like, all right, you can get the the physical box of Legos to put this, you know, Harry Potter scene to whatever $80. But for an extra 20 bucks, we'll give you the physical and then we'll give you the online license. So once you build it here, then you go build it online. Do the same thing. And they and they already have the branding branding now with with the Legoland. So they could use that as like the step in and it becomes the online Legoland. And then you sort of marry those two together. So you have that physical destination structure already and now you could have the the metaverse how about this structure you buy lego branded products or 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 not i mean i i think this to some degree this can be interpreted too but let's say you buy lego branded sets you assemble them you've got a village or some set that you built you just built a built a castle or something right mm-hmm. you take the app on the oculus for example or even if it's not even virtual but if you this lends itself to virtual reality you download the app on the Lego app on the virtual uh, on the Oculus and you in in your, you know, in your account, you know, it's it knows how, what products you bought or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and, in, and then now imagine walking through your your Lego set in the uh, virtual reality. I mean, right. the, the, endless even- opportunities. Yeah, I know we could keep going on this, but the but the chance to try out like different upgrades or whatever. So you take a picture of your of your physical village and you're like, oh, I wonder how this would look or wonder how this would look. And then you can put on your headset or view it on your monitor and say, oh, yeah, that fits in well or or whatever. And then you just click to buy and, you know, it's at your door the next day. What, what a beautiful marriage of the real and the virtual. No, I think I think it's a sense. huge opportunity for Lego. So when I saw this headline from CNBC, Sony and Lego 
bet big on the metaverse with two billion investment in epic games and i'll just conclude that epic games by the way is the maker of fortnite so right. um you know the experience is there i think i think this could be a huge opportunity for lego i'm a little concerned that i don't know if if lego's participation is linked to sony's participation i hope that um you know, the Lego family and the company has good leadership and good, good, you know, planning and strategy and they execute on it rather than kind of um, being afraid of it and, and, and delegating the execution to the likes of Sony. I, I, you know, I don't have, I wouldn't have much trust in Sony in, in seeing something through, although Sony, unless it's the PlayStation division of Sony, I, I don't mm -hmm. know. So we'll yeah. see. It'll be interesting to, to follow that and see what comes of it. Yeah, it is. And maybe we can start teasing topics for, for the next week. Yeah. But I got something that I thought this this was kind of interesting. This is, you know, as we're talking about our, our nerd stuff from kids or, or things that we keep going. Um, this is, um, so this this actually launched today. So that's why I'm, I'm bringing it up. But this is this is MLB's version of NFTs. So they're launching, you know, you think you'd go to Walmart or Tar Target or wherever and buying a pack of baseball cards. This is them doing the same thing. So this launch today where you can buy a pack of these for, for $50 and they're dropping and there's certain, you know, they call them chase cards or inserts where, you know, one out of every two packs, okay, you're going to get some core and then it starts to ramp up. And then one out of every legendary 25,000 packs, you're getting a legendary player or some sort of legendary legendary special card so i'm interested to see how this goes i don't know if i'll be tempted to buy a pack of these that's at, so at 50 dollars but um so so yeah. that's an nft is that is that basically just virtual baseball cards yep yeah that's exactly what it is and they've dabbled in this before the, the tops which is a maker of baseball cards had this online series called bunt b-u-n-t mm -hmm. um and that sort of caught on but not it was almost one of those things that was like too early you mm -hmm. know so this is this is a, a next next sort of step how do you carry them and, and show them off is there is there a companion app is it a standard yeah, just like any other NFT. I mean, you can you you brag on Twitter that you got one of these legendary cards, and then there's a secondary market. So, you know, you might buy a pack of fifty uh, for fifty dollars, and there might be a secondary market that you know That's values so wild. what you have. Is yeah, That's it is so wild. You know, crazy. you know what's coming to mind when I look at this, and and this, you know, you have to. I have a shoebox somewhere in in storage of baseball cards from the eighties and ninety, or maybe not even nineties, eighties, I think. Um, but this, this is what I'm sure my grandparents felt. I feel like how I think my grandparents probably felt like when they first saw bottled water. Mm, right. Have you, heard, have you heard, uh, somebody older describe that? Yeah. I mean, I, I always kind of thought, thought the same thing. I mean, I was probably late to the bottled water type of deal, but yeah, it is pretty crazy. It's like, what, what do you mean? By, so this is like, fifty dollars for a virtual pack of playing cards or not playing cards yeah baseball um, cards baseball yeah. cards and i i'm i mean i totally respect i respect the the um the ingenuity and they're dropping at noon today see the the, the countdown clock up there creating some urgency oh my god um, yeah i mean that's it well, i mean if if people are going to pay you know, hundreds of thousand dollars for a picture of a digital ape. I mean, you got to figure they'll pay $50 for a digital mic. Oh, Trout for sure. Right. For sure. This is, I mean, and it's all, I, you know, I'm coming online with the NFT model and paradigm for sure, but what it, I think it's going to come down to execution, you know, and marketing it's it, mm -hmm. it, what, how do they guarantee the exclusivity? Are they, how, how do they, uh, support it the portability of it um how long can they support it is it is it platforms uh dependent you know is this something that the, a platform can die down if if the bean counters say it's not meeting its numbers anymore and we're discontinuing it right um and, you know so you have the investment in you know like mp3s you know like people have downloaded and paid for mp3s you know can you know still you know, that's a viable format that's universal and it's a standard. So you, you don't, you know, Apple's support of it or whatever, who, you know, doesn't is independent of that. So, 
is this gonna it's interesting i i love it i think i think um i want to shake the man's hand who who said hey let's let's um, come up with digital baseball cards because our manufacturing costs are basically zero. Our reproduction re- reproduction costs are zero. Yeah. Um, Although and artists how- and graphic design and stuff, I mean, that can be, and you're hiring a whole new wave of data security and all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah. Now, is this technically NFT? Is this is this what you yeah. would call NFT? Yeah. It says. Uh, for the podcast listeners, lineup one of our 2022 MLB Icon series contains an assortment of 180 MLB player NFTs, ranging from familiar faces and fan favorites to current stars ready to be unwrapped for the first time ever on Candy. So they're using the Candy NFT Watching. platform, if that okay. means anything to you. So I love it, Brian. I'm so glad you brought that up. I think that's that's awesome. Yeah, and you can get a, a list of the players. So it's all current players for now, but uh, I'm sure they'll license some legends and all that kind of stuff too at some point. Very cool. Very cool. Right. Well, another show in the books, another hour in the books. Yeah, another one in the can for sure. Yep. Uh, so outro, Brian Williams, Northshire Consulting. We got our, for those people watching on YouTube, we got a, a nice new little lower third there that's... Uh, continuous which seems to work pretty well across the different like, i like screen it chairs and stuff so i like it um yeah it came out good so we've got that going on uh we're recording every tuesday and then we get it out and uh we are independent investment advisory firm and uh tell me about evernet yeah eric bjorndorf ceo of evernet consulting we're an it service provider um we are based in hartford connecticut uh, but we service businesses, professional services, businesses all over the country. So if you manage a law firm or a dental practice or uh, any sort of healthcare uh, practice, and you are not having a good experience with your IT uh, vendor, um, give me a call and we'll talk about it. All right. We'll see you next week. See you, Brian.